just want to say thank you. Lord, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for sending Jesus to bear the burdens of our sins and to be our sacrifice. God, thank you for making a way. Lord, none of us here this morning deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be in your presence. But God, you've loved us anyway. While we were still sinners, you came and you bled and died for us. Thank you for that. Lord, as we celebrate what you've done this morning, I pray that we would not be satisfied with where we are. Lord, that we would not be satisfied with sin that may be in our life. That we would not be satisfied with the shortcoming of not doing things that you've called us to do. And God, even if we're sitting here today and we have a clear conscience and we feel like at this moment, Lord, we've given it all to you. God, help us not to be satisfied because we know that a new day is coming with new challenges, new temptations, new things to sacrifice. God, help us to be the type of people who wake up each morning and seeks your face with all that we are. That we cry out to you to fill us with your spirit. That we cry out for you to guide us and shape us and mold us to be the men and women you want us to be. And Lord, I pray that as long as we draw breath on this earth, we would not be satisfied. But God, we would hunger and thirst for you in your righteousness. Jesus, we pray for our brothers and sisters this morning. Please be with them and watch over them who are not able to be here today. Be with the ones who are traveling. Lord, I pray that you would send your spirit to this place. God, that you would visit us this morning. God, that you would dwell within us. Lord, don't let a single person leave this place without knowing what it's like to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to worship you with song, with prayer, with communion. And Lord, as we get ready to read your word, help us to be open. Lord, help us to be willing to let you do the work in our lives. We love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. As we finish up our series today, we've been talking about showing up, and uh Today's sermon goes kind of hand in hand with last week's. You know, last week we talked about showing up even when the world's falling apart around you. 
And today's talking about showing up even when, the, when you're broken. And, you know, we can be broken for a lot of different reasons. Um, we don't like to admit that we're broken. We don't like to accept that. We don't like to be in those positions. But, you know, you could be broken because the world has fallen apart around you. You could be broken because someone did something terrible to you. Um, you might be broken because you did something terrible to someone or just did something you shouldn't have done. And you feel guilty about it and you're broken and you don't really know what to do or how to recover from that. You may feel broken just because you might be struggling with mental or emotional health. You know, a lot of people deal with that. And it's one of those things that, for whatever reason, when we as people, when we feel broken, we just kind of get to this point where we, don't, we feel like we don't have anything to give or contribute. And so the desire to show up in our lives flees from us significantly during those moments. Like when we feel broken, we just we don't feel like we have anything to give. We don't feel like we have anything to contribute. So why show up? And the truth is, is that those are the times, those are the most important times that we show up because whenever we are at our weakest, that's when God can use us the greatest. You know, throughout Scripture, it says time and time again how God loves using the least of these to glorify Himself. That and where we're weak. He is strong. He is able to magnify himself in our lives through our weaknesses so that it brings more glory and honor to him. You with me? Now that's kind of humbling to think about because we don't like to admit that we're weak and we don't like to admit that we struggle and we don't like to admit that we might be broken. But at the same time, the fact that I stand before you here today preaching as a pastor, does not mean that I'm talented or, or better or, or superior than anyone in any way. Actually, the opposite would be true according to Scripture. The fact that I'm up here would probably mean that, that I'm the weakest or the least so that God can be glorified the most. You with me? Like that, that's the God that we serve. And, and sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. You know, so much about following our Father, our Heavenly Father, it's just about constantly reminding ourselves of who he is and what he's capable of. And if we lose focus on who God is and we get focused on ourselves or our brokenness or our situations, a lot of times we lose focus and we lose track of what it is that God's calling us to do and how we're supposed to live. So this morning I got a really interesting passage for you. It's Psalm chapter 126. We're going to read the entire chapter, but don't panic. It's only six verses, so we're not going to be here forever. Um, but this, this, this psalm was a song that people used to sing as they went to Jerusalem to go and worship. And a lot of times we associate like the psalms being written like during the times of the kings and things like that. But in fact, this one was written afterward. And it was written after the people of Israel were brought, were brought back to Israel after they had been taken to captivity in Babylon. So they were freed from Babylon. They came back to Israel. They rebuilt the temple. And so they were going to the temple to worship. And it's a really special time because, you know, they were broken in Babylon and then they were set free and God brought joy back into their life. So let's read this, Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. We are going to focus on the last three verses, 4, 5, and 6. That's going to be where we're preaching from this morning, but let's read the whole thing. It says, When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy and the other nations said what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. 
what joy. In verse 4 it says, Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with a harvest. And so this morning as we talk, the first thing I want to communicate with you, point one, is that God has the power to restore. Now, I ask you this all the time, do you believe in God? (laughs) Okay, do you? Do you really? Do you believe in God? Okay, the more important question is, what do you believe about the God that you believe in? And that's the rhetorical question. Okay, you say you believe in God, but what do you believe about the God that you believe in? Because that's important this morning. Now, now you think, oh, well, I believe what most people believe, or I believe in Scripture. Yeah, but what does that mean? Because you could say that you believe in Santa Claus, like most kids do. But you go from one home to the next, and how people talk about Santa Claus and the traditions of all that stuff and all the things that go along with it are very different from home to home to home. And what kids think about Santa and how they visualize Santa from one kid is very different from how another kid may do it in another home and another family. When you think about the God that you say that you believe in, you really have to answer the question, what do I believe about the God that I believe in? Because you have to ask yourself this question, do I believe that my God is able to restore all things? That's a question you need to be able to answer. And then if you say, okay, I believe that my God is able to restore all things, do you believe that your God is able to restore even you? Because when we get to the points in life where we're broken and we don't have an answer and things aren't going our way and we don't want to show up and we don't want to do anything, we don't want to be around anyone else and we definitely don't want to go to church, we don't want to worship just because we don't feel like it in those moments, you have to remind yourself, okay... What do I believe about the God that I believe in? Do I believe that he is able to restore? Because the truth is, is that we serve a God who throughout scripture and throughout time, through everything that we believe, he is a God of restoration. Like that's his MO. That's who he is. And we could go all the way from Genesis to to Malachi and go through the Old Testament, but but we'll say the Old Testament's really big, okay? And, And everything about God from Genesis all the way to Malachi is basically leading to the point of bringing restoration to the world. Okay? So I won't go into that. But we'll focus more on whenever Jesus comes. So, so you even think about the simple fact that, that God came in the flesh through Jesus Christ. Okay? He lived. He set the example. He taught the true meaning of the word. And all that is a process of restoring people back to God of revealing what God truly desired from us as people. And so he lived among us. He showed us. He taught us. He explained passages of Scripture. He he, he showed us what God truly wanted from his people. He bled and died for us, which is exactly what we celebrated this morning. The partake of that meal was just reminding ourselves of what God did. And so as Jesus bled and died on the cross, to to remind ourselves once again, not only did he bleed, not only did he die, and his body was broken for our sins, but he also resurrected himself from the grave. 
Proven that he has power over death. That, that, that we serve a God, that we remember, we serve a God who's bigger than death. Which seems so final. Right? I mean, it's like that's the end to the world. But for us, if we really believe in Christ, like what do we believe in him? He's greater than death. He overcame it. Then he ascended to heaven, which proves that there's a place to go after we leave this earth. So as much as your physical body and your mind wants to say, like, it's really hard to believe there's anything beyond what we can see, feel, and touch to understand, like, you serve a God where people witness with their own eyes him live after dying and him ascending and leaving this earth and going to some place that they could not see anymore. That it's all about restoration. It's all about restoring. It's all about setting things back to their proper place of where God wants us to be. So it doesn't end there. But Jesus goes to heaven, he sits at the Father's right hand, and he pleads on our behalf that even in this moment right now, if you feel broken and you feel like you're inadequate and unable to show up and serve God, that you have someone who sits at the Father's right hand who understands your sins, your temptations, your emotions, your mental Parts of your life where you're just struggling in and he understands that he pleads at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. And it doesn't end there. That he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to empower us because he knew that as individuals, none of us in this room would ever be able to turn away from sin and follow him without the power of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, that we would never be able to speak the name of Jesus, to witness and minister to people, to, to, to be what we are called to be in order to be ministers of God. So he sends the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't end there. But Jesus says, but I go and I prepare a place for you. And to know that even right now, that God is preparing a new heavens and a new earth, it's going to be perfect, that, that we will receive based off of our faith and our devotion to the Father, that he is restoring every single one of us, you as an individual, that as a sinner who deserved death and nothing else, he, he, everything that he's done has been leading up to the point where he can restore you and bring you into perfection. That everything that we endure, every hurt, brokenness, pain, suffering, tears, that while we may endure them on this earth, that there is something better coming. There's perfection on the way that we will all receive freely as a gift from God. That that's the God that we serve. That he's a God of restoration. You, you know, today, and, and remembering that's important. You know, today's Pentecost Sunday, the day that we remember like the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's important as people that we remind ourselves of things because how quickly do we forget stuff? Any of you ever been talking about something and someone brings something up from the past? You're like, oh, I forgot about that and I would have never thought about it if you had not mentioned it and now I remember it. You been there? We do that all the time. Like, and we have, it's amazing how much we can remember and how much we can store in our minds and bring up those memories. But it's also amazing how much it is there, but we don't even think to access it if that's not what our mind is focused on. So we don't access those files until somebody like brings it up and like red flags it almost and like reminds us of it. It's important as a follower of Christ that you remind yourself that you believe in a God and remind yourself of what you believe about the God that you believe in. But you also make sure that you remind yourself that you serve a God who's able to restore you and bring you back from anything. Anything. 
And so if you're sitting here today and you think, well, man, you know, I killed somebody. Like, nobody knows it, but I killed somebody. I got away with murder. Can God restore me? Like, yes, he can. Even Moses, who killed a man and ran from his sin, God called him, restored him, and used him to accomplish his will in this life. God, our Heavenly Father, is a God who loves to restore. That is who he is. He's creator and restorer of all things. I used this analogy a few months ago, but I won't get him to set a picture up there. Um, this picture is a picture of the desert and Death Valley. We'll get it in just a second. Um, but as you look at this picture, you know, it, it's just it's dead. That's why they call it Death Valley. Like For a long time, they didn't believe that anything could even possibly grow in it. There's no life in it whatsoever. And then they figured out that given the right situation, right circumstances, when the right things happen, that something just unbelievable occurs. So about, and it, on average, it happens about once every 10 to 11 years. And they don't know when it's going to happen. That's just on average. But if the rain falls at the right time during the fall and winter, and then the, the right things happen, and the right weather comes in the spring and summertime, what you'll have is, is you'll take this right here, and then it'll bloom into this amazing landscape of wildflowers that's just breathtaking. And for so long, people thought like there was no way possible that anything could ever grow. But in fact, at just the right circumstances, the right situation, the right things that happen can bring life even to the place that people thought was absolute death. That's why it's called Death Valley. You need to understand this morning that when we are broken, but when we're in this time of our life where we feel like we have nothing left, you need to understand that you serve a God that if you give him the opportunity to work and move in your life and add just the right things at just the right time and do the right stuff, that God can restore and bring life back to you. And not only bring life back to you, but bring life through you during those times. That's why I said, the, the author of the psalm said, Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. That even in the desert, things can grow if you give it water. Just the right circumstances, just the right time. Point number two. Tears are a super fertilizer for spiritual growth. I don't know about you guys. I hate, I absolutely hate crying. And you're probably laughing because I cry all the time. And the staff makes fun of me for crying all the time. During our meetings, when it, you know, prayer and all that stuff. It's, like, it's one of those things like I absolutely hate it. But I will say that I have found out time and time again during the times in our lives where we are the most broken and we're the most desperate and we're shedding the most tears, those are the times that God really does significant things in our life personally. And he either prepares us to do great things for later or he does great things through us even in those moments and times right then. You know, and... 126 verses 5 through 6, it says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They will weep as they go to plant their seed, but they will sing as they return with the harvest. There almost needs to be times in our lives. You, you with me this? 
There almost needs to be times in our life where we are broken. Like It's almost like we need that. We need to be reminded of how much we need God. And this is important because it's not just for you personally, okay? Like, we need to be reminded how much we need God pretty regularly. But also, other people need to see how much you actually need God. Because if your life is just great and it's perfect and, and you know, you're just running like a Swiss watch and everything's great and you don't have anything to worry about, we don't have much need for God. And you may be sitting here today and you may be like, well, I'm really thankful that things are going good. And I thank God and I praise him for it. It's like, well, that's not a real testimony. Like if things are going good in your life and you're like, well, I thank God that things are going good in my life. That's not a test. That's a praise. That's a praise in the moment that things are going good. That's not a testimony. You want to know what a true testimony is? A true testimony is what you have to say about God when it hits the fan. When your life is nuts and you feel broken and you don't feel like you have anything to offer, what you say about God during those moments, that's your testimony. That's what you truly believe about God. And as people, we have to take a step back and we have to remember, it's like, okay, what exactly are you trying to say? It's like, do we serve a God who can restore? Absolutely. He absolutely has the ability, he has the power. What if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? What if you're sitting here today and you're broken and, and you feel like, man, like, am I ever going to make it through this? Like, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't say yes or no. I can't say that this, whatever you're going through is going to end. I can't say that if you struggle with mental or health issues or, or, or emotional issues that God is going to relieve you of this. I, I can't tell you that. But I believe that we serve a God who can and who is able. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back and say, okay, am I going to have the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, look, our God is able to save us from the furnace, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to you. And again, it comes back to that question, what do you say about God whenever it hits the fan and life is not good and you're broken? What do you say about God during that time? Do you just not show up and give up? And lay down and quit and say, God, if this is the way it's going to be, I'm not in it. I'm out. And we can't be like that. What do you believe about the God that you believe in? Is he able? Are you going to cling to that? You know, we have all these, these people throughout Scripture that we can look to. You look at the Psalm of David, chapter 56, verses 8 through 11. Let's read this. As David is writing, now understand this. David's, David's really interesting. King David. There was so much of his life that was really hard and sorrowful in a lot of ways that he didn't bring on himself. But then he had a lot of sorrow and hurt and pain that he brought on himself. You know, he was kind of like, he's, just, he's a great example for a lot of different things in life. And so as David experiences a lot of the heartaches and pains that, that life brought and that he brought on himself sometimes, look at what he said in chapter 56, verses 8 to 11. He says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. 
This I know God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? And as David is writing this, there's two things you need to realize that that he's communicating in these verses. The first thing is, is that God sees you. And that's so important to remember because you might be sitting here today and you might be broken or your life might be a mess right now and you might not have an answer and you may not feel like there's nothing left in your tank to give and you have nothing to offer to people, you have nothing to offer to God and you need to know this morning that God sees you. And he's taken record and and even for David he says, you've collected my tears in a bottle. And how silly does that sound? But to even understand that God might have this like, you know, this rain gauge for your tears and that he's measuring how much like you're crying and suffering and God sees you and he knows that. And to understand also that not only is God taking note of you, that he sees you and he's recording this and he's taking note of what you're going through, but also the fact that David has not been delivered from this situation yet because from the way that it reads in verse 9, he said, my enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. I know that God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. And in the midst of this, as David is worshiping and he's writing this, and he's, you know, the Bible says that David was a man of many tears. Apparently, he cried a lot. And as God measured that out, and God took note of it, but also that he had not been delivered of this. But David was, was writing in faith to know that God had promised him things and he was clinging to those promises. And so this morning, for, for whatever it is that may be going through in your life, or whatever you might be questioning, or the brokenness that you may be feeling, understand that God sees you and that God has made promises. And as believers in him, what do you believe about the God that you believe in? Do you believe in his promises? Are you willing to cling to those promises? And also, are you going to be mature enough to say, God, I'm clinging to your promises. I know you're able to restore. I know you're able to save. I know you're able to build up. But even if this doesn't happen in the time that I want it to or like I want it to, God, I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to serve you anyway. Are you going to have that attitude? And know this morning that it's not for nothing. There's nothing that you're going through right now that you're enduring for no reason whatsoever. That you serve a God who's not only a God of restoring, He's not a God of chaos, but He is a God of order. He is a God with a plan who's been working out a plan for according to scripture that we read for around 6,000 years now, he's been working out this plan to bring everything back to perfection of where he wants it to be. You're a part of that plan. God sees you. And those tears that you're crying, they stink. Nobody likes to cry. Nobody likes to hurt. None of us look forward to pain. But just like in so many other aspects in life, we understand that the pain usually brings us growth. And those tears are like super fertilizer for us. Man, I'll give you a cool analogy. 
you know, my whole life we we did fence lines and stuff, and I remember digging fence hole posts and all that stuff. And never not once did, did I, anyone ever teach me this, but we were up here at the church about three years ago, and we were digging post holes for the fence back there to cover up our utilities, just kind of make it nicer and clean it up to put the playground back there. And as we're digging, it's July, it's hot, you know how it is. It pours rain during the winter and the spring, and then it hits summer and it never rains, and it's like, it's just dry and hard. So the ground is hard as a rock, and I'm digging, and we got the post hole diggers, and I'm just throwing them by hand, and it's not going anywhere. We're just like chipping away at grass, and that's about it. And Henry Cash comes pulling around the church like he always does every day. I mean, he just like shows up, and he gets out, and he's excited that we're working, and he comes to tell us all everything that we need to do better, because that's how Henry is, and he's really fun. Um, so he, he shows up, and he says, what are you doing? And we explain to him, well, it's like we're not really getting anywhere. He's like, go get you a five-gallon bucket, put some water in it, and pour water over the hole. He's like, come back in about 20 or 30 minutes, you'll be able to dig it. I'm like, mm, okay. I, I mean, like, it wasn't working, so I wasn't not going to try it. And I remember thinking, like, this ain't going to work. So get the bucket, pour the water over the spot where we're going to dig, wait about 20 or 30 minutes, come back, and it is, like, as soft as you can possibly imagine. And it's amazing what a little bit of moisture, just the right circumstances, just the right touch can do to change what seemed to be hard and useless, and it was getting nowhere, and you just take the time, and you add a little bit of water to it, and, and you remember in your life, when those tears come, when it's times of brokenness and times of pain, know that you serve a God who can take the worst soul that you could possibly imagine in a place where it was called Death Valley, and he can grow anything he wants to, and given the right situation, right circumstances, apply a little bit of moisture to it, and sometimes our hearts just need to have those tears of moisture. Point number three, and we'll be done. The brokenness gives us insight to true joy. You know, I think a lot of times as people, we, in our culture, we lose track of what joy is. Like, we know what happiness is. And I think a lot of us experience a lot of happiness in our lives. But we experience moments of happiness and not true joy. And uh, I don't know if you guys like American Pickers or not. I, I've always enjoyed the show. Haven't watched it in a while, but... Um, here lately, that's just kind of like, oh, I saw it on Netflix, and that's, you know, going to bed at nighttime, we just throw on something and go to sleep. Been watching American Pickers. And usually, what happens in the show is, is they show up to these people's places, and these people have these incredible collections of stuff, or they have a lot of junk, but they've spent their entire lives collecting it, so it's really hard for them to let it go, right? I mean, it's like, it's really cool stuff. It's amazing. They pay good money for it, but it's really hard to let it go. In this one episode, they show up to this guy's home, and he's extremely wealthy, owns his own business, has several thousand square foot uh, storage units, or not units, but these warehouses where he's got stuff stored. He even bought like an old car dealership and had stuff stored at the car dealership. So they went to multiple locations where this guy had everything collected and he was storing, and dude had some phenomenal stuff. And as they got to dealing with him, and they were asking, well, what do you take for this? Well, he's throwing out numbers. He's selling everything. And it kind of puzzled them because they were like, this usually doesn't happen. Why is this so easy? Why, why is this guy willing to sell all this stuff and he's so quick to turn it loose? And, and you know, he was throwing out some high numbers. And he said, no, I think it's worth that. You, you should pay this for it. But he was willing to sell and they were buying because he had some really good stuff. And they asked him, and said, why are you turning loose of this stuff? Most people aren't very willing. He said that 
a couple years back that he had been diagnosed with liver failure. And he had about six months to live. And he needed an organ transplant. And if you guys know anything about organ transplants, it usually don't happen within six months. It usually takes a while for you to find that perfect match for you to be able to get it. And the fact that you're on a list behind a lot of other people who's wanting the same thing. So six months go by, he, he gets a liver and he gets a transplant and his life is transformed. And, and it was kind of took that moment of desperation, that moment of staring death in the eye and, and his liver fail, failing that he realized like, okay, I've spent my whole life collecting all this stuff, spent tons of money on it, like I've invested my life in this thing, and it really isn't that important. You know, he had a lot of fun doing it. It brought him happiness in a lot of ways, moments of happiness. But he said, you know, it's like knowing that you might be dying, it gives you a different outlook on what's truly important in life and what true joy is. And so he was taking the money. He was wanting to spend a lot more time with his family and do some different stuff, taking the money and doing different things with it. And sometimes as people, we get lost in the world. And we get lost in things that bring us happiness because there's a lot of things on earth that can bring you happiness and bring you happiness quickly. Like you can, you can have a, a, just a small amount of joy really fast, with a lot of different things in life, but it doesn't last. And the truth is, is that when, whenever things happen in our life, whenever we're truly broken, it brings us to the point where we really begin to focus on what's real, what lasts, what's eternal. And it gives us a different perspective. And so this morning, if there's brokenness in your life, if there's desperation in your life, understand that it's not it's not just happening for no reason it's, it's not just one of those things where God's sitting back and he's laughing at you and he does not care about you he sees you he's taken note he measures your tears he's he's bottled them up he understands what you're going through but he's also made promises to you and he's there and he wants to bring you through this and not only does he want to bring you through the situation but he wants to grow you in it and he wants you to, to mature, and he wants to use you through and after this growth as well. That it's not just about you. Whatever it is that you're going through, it's not just for you. You're going through something, you're being broken for some reason, so that not only you can grow closer to God, but you can use that to testify of how good God was during that time. In Psalm 34, verses 17 through 20, David also wrote... The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them for all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, and not one of them is broken. You sit here this morning, and you need to understand the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There might be something in your life that you brought on yourself, and that's what you're suffering from right now. But God can restore you anyway. And you might be sitting here today and you say, I haven't done anything. I've tried to be good. I've tried to do what God's called me to do. I've tried to serve Him best of my ability. Why am I enduring this right now? The righteous face many troubles, but God will bring you through. He will rescue you each time. 
And also he talks about your bones will not be broken. And you need to pay attention to that last verse in verse 20. Because that's important. It never says that you won't be cut, scraped, or bruised. It never says that you won't be hurt, that you won't bleed. But what it says is that your bones will not be broken. That God will sustain you. There will be times of pain. There will be times of hurt. There will be times where tears will be shed. But God can heal and restore. And he sustains the foundation upon which you stand. That God keeps you and holds you. And he saves you during those times. And that's what we have to cling to. Because there's going to be times in your life where you don't feel like showing up when you're broken. But we've got to remember. Remember the God that we serve. Know what we believe in about the God that we say that we believe in. And cling to him and seek his face more when we're broken and when we're in pain. Because that's whenever the most growth will happen if we'll seek God during that time. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to say thank you for this day and for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your mercy. And Father, we ask that you would speak into our hearts and lives today. Help us to serve you. Help us to glorify you. And God, in times where we're crushed and we just don't feel like there's any way out, and we're so broken. Lord, help us to believe in you and trust in you more during those times because that's when it truly counts. That's when our testimony really matters. Lord, we love you today, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you. Then sings my-